Hey, welcome family to my Irreligious Life podcast with your host, Jermaine Thomas, aka The Professor. Deconstructing and deconverting from your faith is a very difficult journey. The process can have psychological and emotional implications. Join us as we have a heartwarming and engaging dialogue around this and so much more. Let's get it, family. Deconstruction is is unique from person to person. And it seems from my observation or in some of my studies and research and even out of my own personal experience is that deconstruction can fall in different spectrums, if you will. So, for example, a person can deconstruct some doctrinal aspects that they were indoctrinated in and they come and formulated maybe a better understanding. So, for example, in Christendom, for me, the doctrine of hell or eternal conscious torment is what I was indoctrinated in. But as I've been exposed to biblical scholarship and realizing that eternal conscious torment is just one theory of many other theories about the afterlife within the Christian theological context. So it's not just eternal conscious torment. There's other major views of hell you know, that's within the theological circles of Christendom that I wasn't aware of. And so since being exposed to those different doctrinal views of of hell versus eternal conscious torment and some of the other views of hell, I realized that there's no settled idea when it comes to the afterlife, even in Christendom, even though we've been sold to the idea that there is a literal hell, a literal heaven and things like that. So you can find someone who can deconstruct some aspects of Christianity doctrinally and still remain a Christian. But then there's others who can deconstruct elements of Christianity with respect to, let's just say, doctrine that on an intellectual end, they can't reconcile what they've been indoctrinated to believe about the Bible. Is it being true, historically accurate, you know, which there, which the Bible is not accurately true historically and things like that. So, you know, there's this breakdown of the dishonestness that often happens uh, when a person is indoctrinated. So, or you can have a person that experienced high demand religion or fundamental religion. And so that would also cause a person deconstruct because they've been uh, abused or what we may commonly call church hurt, uh, some uh, level of that. That would cause a person to deconstruct. And for some on e- on either side of that coin, will deconvert or maybe deconvert altogether from Christianity. So it varies. Pastor X, your story is unique to that whole spectrum when it comes to deconstruction. And so for you, when it comes to deconstruction, you're a part of a mainline denomination, correct? Pentecostal charismatic mainline denomination. Okay. And so you would say that this particular denomination that you're associated with has been around for how long? One year. Uh, year. Okay. So about over a hundred years, you would say that this particular stream of charismatic or Pentecostal Christianity is something that's been a part of your lifestyle expression as a Christian and as a confessed believer in Jesus Christ, correct? I did not grow up in that particular denomination. I have been, have been involved since 2007. With that being said, Pentecostal spirituality is not something new to me because 
my mother's family were of the Pentecostal persuasion. Okay, so growing up, what, what would you particularly kind of characterize your faith tradition as? My faith tradition has been a mixture of Baptist doctrine and also Wesleyan holiness, Pentecostal tradition, and a mixture of the spiritual church. Oh, so a mixture of those three streams. Okay, and let's just say for the sake of our audience and that people are hearing, you know, Baptist, spiritual church, or Pentecost, can you give just a little brief description of each so that people can get an understanding? I think traditionally people will familiarize themselves with Baptist and the Baptist tradition, but maybe let's just say spiritualist type churches, which are common Mm -hmm. in and throughout the African-American community, and then definitely for sure the Pentecostal expression of the Christian faith. So basically, my father was born and raised in the Baptist church, and my mother was from the Pentecostal church. And that footing and that grounding, the Baptist church focused more on the word, the scripture, the scripture alone, and The Pentecostal Church is really emphasis on the ministry and work of the Spirit. So I was in the midst of both worlds because my parents pastored a church where they were church planters and they pastored a church. And there was a mixture of both of those expressions in our church, even though we had non-denominational on our side, we were really Baptocostal in our practices and beliefs. No, I I think that's pretty unique to have that different experience in the Christian tradition when it comes to different modes and styles of worship, different expressions of how the word is conveyed. Um, and, and you're right. I think even within the context of my own experience in the Baptist church or even present day, it seems that most of the peers that I've recognized who are the most vocal and giving pushback when it comes to value of theological scholarship or biblical scholarship, that Baptists tend to uphold that versus some in the charismatic circles. When it comes to biblical scholarship or an exposure thereof, it seems to see that there's some sense of value. But even at the same time, the, the Pentecostal expression also speaks to or how people will often categorize them as some aspects of emotionalism. There's a history, a history and a connection that could be made between black Pentecost and African spirituality. Sociologists in the nature and the context of what we talk about here on my Irreligious Life podcast is looking at this phenomenon of deconstruction and then what some have commonly called reconstruction and what People who have gone through the deconstruction phase or have experienced the phenomenon have come uniquely different across the spectrum of the faith tradition where people land once they've gone through some form of facet of deconstruction is that I find that people have deconverted altogether. I have found that there are those who uh, have taken more of an ominous lens toward faith and incorporating different faith traditions within their practice. And that's not uncommon. I think when we look at the history of faith traditions, which I believe some religions with respect to some practices are cultural, right? They're cultural driven. The Bible is surrounded by the, or is folklore 
relative to Hebraic culture and how they saw themselves in the world. And so there is a cultural aspect. And then there is something that's common, that's centristic, that's across some of these faith traditions that are common. Sometimes we can get into the semantics of language, right? But then in practice or in heart value or passion to a particular deity or practice of a particular theist lens or theism or how they view God in that aspect that they incorporate some aspects of something similar. So you can find some of the same practices, for example, exorcism, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ex- or what we commonly call in our Pentecostal circles as deliverance or in the Catholic church, they would use the term exorcism. But that practice of exorcism or exercising demons or the philosophy of religious dualism is it didn't start in the Abrahamic faith tradition. It started in other cultural faith traditions that you find in Mesopotamian civilization that you can find in Zorientarianism, which some would argue is the first monotheistic religion, which had profoundly impacted the Abrahamic faith tradition, which encompasses Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. So that is a sociological historical lens of looking at that when it comes to faith and practice. But then to see it in real time, even in our present day, it's not uncommon to see mixture, if that's the word that people want to use, and incorporating some mm-hmm. of those practices. But even there's articles, sociologists have talked about the shift and the change in the religious paradigm across the United States, that there are African-Americans that are leaving traditional or mainline denominations, you know, whether that's uh, Pentecostal or Baptist, and you're finding people that are incorporating African spirituality within the context of their Christian formation. Now, for you as as a pastor in this mainline denomination, how does that factor in for you as a Christian, but then also as a person who incorporate other elements of spiritual practices within your Christian spirituality? One of the ways that has been helpful for me is that the practices that I use, such as meditation, clearing my mind, the usage of crystals and gemstones and incense and things of that nature, is something that I use in my private time, such as affirmations and and things of that nature, and singing bowls, of course. Those are things that I use in my in my private time. And it helps to enhance my spirituality because I see things differently than I did before just by following all the rules of fundamental Christianity, if we could call it. So I would say that my belief in Christianity, while yet being in a charismatic or Pentecostal denomination, whatever you want to call it, has caused me to become an expansive conscious Christian, which I still promote Christianity while yet from the from my pulpit I no longer for the last fifteen, twenty years I have not taught on the doctrine of eternal torture or anything like that because deep in my heart of hearts I don't believe that. 
with that being said, what you don't teach on, you don't really believe. Does that make sense? No, it, it makes a lot of sense. It There seems to be in certain circles, and I can only say this with respect to my own experiences, you all. I'm not an expert on church denominations, but my research or my experience or exposure to Christianity or in settings or in conversations with people is that we're finding this shift, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, people are, when it comes to certain beliefs or doctrinal positions that they don't accept that as something central to their faith, you know, they're central to their belief in Jesus, right? And that they can't reconcile, you know, a loving God and a hell. So we just kind of, it's not that we shift that idea to the side, but we just, like you said, we don't foster it. They don't accept that. But then there are others too, in the same expression that will not believe in hell or an expression of hell, but still would teach on it. (laughs) So we've seen those things as well. Now, you said a few things about the use of crystals or incense, you know, using these spiritual mechanics, if you will, right? Because again, it's not relative to what we would call new age or new age practice or in some charismatic circles, Pentecost circles would call, you know, stuff like that witchcraft. But you can look into the Bible itself, into the Old Testament, and you see the priests adorning themselves with certain jewels. You know, they use the ephod, right? It characterized different colored jewels. And the ephod was used as a means to communicate with the spirit world, if you will. So it was the old school or Old Testament Ouija board <laughs> is what the priest of God would use to talk to God, right? The ephod, the Ephraim and the Durham, or if I'm saying them right, <laughs> but these stones that the priests in the Old Testament, the children of Israel would use to communicate with God, even historically, because there was no images or no historical record of Jesus. And so as the, the story of Jesus began to be carried Early Christians would characterize Jesus or you would see pictures of Jesus with a diviner's rod because they figured that's what Jesus used to turn water into wine. So divination or mysticism part in some of the dimensions of spirituality and incorporating crystals, sound, chants. There there are monks that incorporate prayer chants into their spirituality and those things, incense. You see the Old Testament about the lighting of incense. And so some of the Orthodox Church still today, you know, still practice the use of incense during uh, certain ceremonies or an, an acts of worship. And so incense, jewelry, you see that even in other spiritual practices, right? Indigenous to a particular culture, whether that's Native Americans aborigines and things like that that you know these spiritual practices seem to incorporate some of these what they would consider earth elements or that brings a connection between that person or individual between them and the spirit world or them in the earth or the natural world or you know some type of grounding for them and so as you characterize that these things enhance for you your spiritual practice as a christian so in what ways does the, the crystal or those things 
for you. And the unique thing about this is that you as a pastor, these are your own private practices. So this is not something you preach to your people across the pulpit, correct? No. So how is it that things enhance for you? How it has enhanced me, Jermaine, is the fact that I used to hold to these things as being demonic in nature. I used to teach that these things were were wrong until I started venturing out and really finding out the benefits of crystals. There are benefits of using crystals as far as for health reasons, for mental health reasons, and also to clear your atmosphere. So I have found that these particular items have helped me personally in my development of clearing my mind, not only clearing my mind, but the health benefits as well. I noticed that I don't have so much brain fog. I noticed that my mind is more clearer. My energy is much better than it was before. Does that answer your question? I think that that does really speak to, you know, how you characterize your experience and how you know, those things speak to you. And I guess for our listening audience and they're listening and wondering, <laughs> you know, to the degree of why your voice is distorted, because I really want people to understand that this is the reality of where we are as we continue to enter into what I would consider a post-Christian world and a post-Christian society. And that, and again, this is not just something I'm talking about with relative to my own experience, deconstruction is something that seems to be happening globally and not just within the Christian faith is happening within what I would consider the Abrahamic faith tradition in and of itself. You have Mormons that's deconstructing. You have people that's in that are Jehovah witnesses that are deconstructing. You have those that are in Islam that are deconstructing. And then you have those that are, that are finding or incorporating different spiritual traditions or faith traditions and making it something uh, more unique and authentic to themselves. And that's what sociologists have been writing about, about this shift and change in culture relative to religion or fundamental religion that many of us have been indoctrinated in. And so it's like the rise of Christian nationalism is another reason why, you know, that can be aiding this thing of, deconstruction, particularly here in the West, but that doesn't account for what's occurring over in Islam and other places. It just seems like there's just this spiritual awakening and some would characterize that seem to be occurring globally. And so hearing stories like yours uniquely as a pastor is what I want you all to understand that this pastor's story is unique. And there are other pastors that are out there and other believers that are out there. It's not that, that they're forced to be underground because I think that that's changing too. Western Christianity warrants some introspection. Western Christianity warrants some reform and Western Christianity warrants, particularly for those that are beholden to the Christian faith or its traditions and values that reimagining how we approach uh, Christianity and the faith tradition um, is something that is up for conversation and, and up for debate, decolonizing our Christian faith, me personally, I think is a necessary. And so that we won't demonize things like crystals or incorporate the other meditative practices within our faith tradition. 
which resonates with us. It's not that you're doing these things because you want to be a rebel, right? A Christian rebel of some sort. (laughs) And you're doing this because for you, it amplifies your spirituality. It, it, It resonates with you. Then you're balanced enough or anchored enough to not, you know, push this off onto your congregation. So let me ask you this. Like, what would you say to other pastors, ministry leaders, or even Christians that are, you you could say, betwixt between uh, certain spiritual traditions and faith traditions, but uh, like you, you're finding something more authentic to you that resonates with you. What would you say to a person that's maybe teetering, but, you know, like you, you broke past whatever that thing was that most of us inherited <laughs> through indoctrination is this fear are not really stepping outside of, you know, the control room factor, if you will. I would say that in order for you to become your best self, you have to practice what works for you. So I'll say that again. In order for you to be your best self, you have to practice what works for you. In Christianity, we've there's always been a teaching about coming to Christ. Now, I'm going to say something that is going to be very controversial, but it's going to be wonderful. But beyond coming to Christ, when are you going to come to yourself? By coming to yourself, you got to realize that there are some practices that are in you that you really want to embrace and behold. And it's not hurting anybody. Yeah, that's good. So you have to know within yourself what is harmful for you. And what is harmful for you, you got to run away from. But what's helpful for you, you need to hold and embrace. Yeah, that's good. That's a whole workshop right there. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. And and for the sake of this podcast today, we're going to call you Pastor X. And so... In hearing that closing statement there, Pastor X, and I think that's really good to consider because, and I think that we do need to have a new moral outlook, if you will. And this is how we can distinguish, you know, what is of God's heart, if you want to go with that type of conversation, right? (laughs) Or what is like Jesus, or it's not that is what is biblical, It's, it's asking what is harming You know, what is it of this faith tradition that I see or I find that's counterintuitive to the message that we say that God is and being love and affirming, but yet I'm beholden to a doctrinal idea like hell. Like you said, I don't teach that. But then there are those that that do and it doesn't even resonate on the inside. You know, everything in them is saying, listen, this is not I don't think that this is who God is. But the dishonestness kick in and they just keep with the status quo. But you said something that's really powerful. You have to find what's empowering to you and your person. It is not necessarily is it biblical, but is it harmful or is it empowering? And and I think that that's the true definition of what is biblical. Is this empowering to the person that God made me to be, you know, does this disempower or rob me of my own authentic personhood and how I'm to show up in this world? 
And and I'm loving this phenomenon. I think it's historical. I think history, those who enjoy history or history occurring in real time, because these are historical moments given to the gravity of where we are as a nation and then the cultural and sociological shift that has happened with respect to religion, something historical and unprecedented is happening in our times. And so I want to capture voices like Pastor X and to talk about the phenomenon of deconstruction. So I want to thank you all for tuning in and uh, tracking with us here at My Irreligious Life Podcast. Thank you and God bless you and have a good day. Thank you for tuning in to my Irreligious Life podcast with your host, Jermaine Thomas, your go-to podcast for religious commentary and so much more. My Irreligious Life is a subsidiary of Black Bereans Media. And hit us up for sponsorship opportunities, family. God bless.